Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Umarpreneur podcast. And if this is your first time listening, then please make sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you don't know what this podcast is about, to really share with you briefly, it is a podcast where I bring on Muslim entrepreneurs that are at the top of their game, that are creating amazing businesses, that are making an impact, and that are change makers. And right now I have with me one of these entrepreneurs, and my guest today is Sister Maryam Limu. I hope I pronounced that right. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, you pronounced it right. <laughs> uh, beautiful, beautiful. So just to share with our audience a little bit about what you do. So Sister Maryam, she specializes in premarital marriage coaching. So this is where she helps both men and women be better prepared for the journey of finding their better half and living a harmonious life with their spouse. So can you share with us a little bit, um, actually, Maryam, about yourself uh, and what it is that you do with our audience? Um, well, I wear so many hats. Um, we live in Nigeria, um, though I am a British Nigerian citizen. My mom was British, so I hold a British passport. However, I grew up in Nigeria and my parents established a charity organization. So I am with the schools that they established, Alhamdulillah, Islamic secondary school. Um, I'm the head of HR and head of uh, the hostel. So it's a boarding school, alhamdulillah. Um, in addition to that, my other hat is this. I have established the Marriage Academy, the Mariam Lemu Marriage Academy. Um, I'm absolutely passionate about seeing marriages work and families thrive. So I try to focus on doing the premarital so that hopefully you can go in and get it right, but also try and give um, tips uh, based on my, alhamdulillah, 30 years of marriage with my husband to those who are already married on how to fix things because we've been through a roller coaster of a relationship, alhamdulillah. So we share our best practices. And then I also take people on a spiritual journey. Um, born, I was born Muslim. My father was a Khadi. Um, my parents were both scholars. And so my family, in other words, except me. So I am discovering Islam again because even though I was born in it uh, doesn't mean I have practiced it. So after living in the United States for about 11 years, um, where I stopped wearing the hijab, I was wearing short skirts, I came back to Nigeria and I started to discover Islam in a beautiful way and alhamdulillah find a connection with Allah. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. And then of course, motivational speaking and a whole lot of other fun stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Amazing, mashallah. So it's really interesting to see, you know, uh, of course, when I talk to a lot of people, I think, you know, it's rare that I find someone that really um, has been, you know, their entire lives. I mean, when you're born Muslim, at least, at least I know for me, for a lot of my friends that are born Muslim, it's kind of like we have to also rediscover Islam once more for ourselves, right? Because when you're born, it's kind of like it's given to you and you don't really realize you know, the, the beauty of what has been given to you and, and really understand and appreciate it until you discover for yourself, you know, how beautiful this religion is and, you know, learn to essentially uh, embrace it and absorb it in your own way, in your own understanding. Um, so I'm really happy that you shared that and it was something that we can connect upon. So I want to ask you before we dive into everything that you do in terms of premarital coaching and, um, you know, how you work with these men and women to help better prepare them for the journey of marriage. I want to talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. So what is it that inspired you to become an entrepreneur and offer this as a coaching service in the first place, rather instead of just saying, you know what, let me go and work within a career or nine to five, but you chose to focus on this specifically. So what was the journey like that brought you to this place? 
Um, it happened accidentally. Um, mm -hmm. I actually didn't intend to become an entrepreneur. What I wanted to do is try and help prevent pain and anguish. Mm -hmm. And I'm absolutely, like I said, passionate about seeing marriages work. And I know the pain and anguish my husband and I went through um, 30 years ago when we got married. And since then, we've been counseling couples for about 20 years. We find um, there's a thread, you know, there's so much similarity. Many people go through and mine was more how to solve the problem and often you find the most successful entrepreneurs have focused on solving problems so that's why I say I'm an accidental entrepreneur because I focused on doing what I was passionate about um, what made me look forward to waking up in the morning you know and go to bed at night sighing saying alhamdulillah um, and we will continue the next day so once I worked with this organization that helped me, this company that helped me put this course online so that it's accessible to people all over the world. I discovered that actually I do require some business skills um, to manage it properly and I needed a team to put together. So it all happened accidentally and I was quite clumsy at the beginning, but Alhamdulillah, we've started, we found our groove and Alhamdulillah, things are going very smoothly. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's really that's really interesting to hear. And did you have any any fears or anxieties as you decided that you know what you wanted to become a business owner, become a coach full time instead of going the traditional route? Um, yes, there's always anxiety, um, but I really have a lot of faith and trust in Allah and trust my gut, which I believe is Allah speaking to me, um, because there's such a huge need for this. And I was absolutely determined to change the narrative. So the nerves, the nerves will always be there because there's a trust. Um, people are trusting me to be their coach, their guide. And so this is a huge amana on my shoulders. So I pray a lot and keep asking Allah to put his barakah in what I'm doing and continue to guide me. But I'm very, very conscious and deliberate now in trying to make sure there's a methodology to the madness mm -hmm. and there's a system to it. And I do enough homework to make sure I always deliver. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, well, I think, you know, we can all we can all relate to that as entrepreneurs and in the sense that once you embark on the journey, you also start to get better understanding how you can better organize your time, how you can better, you know, uh, pretty much adapt to the entrepreneurship lifestyle so you can succeed. And, you know, as you mentioned, find, uh, find order in all the chaos, right? Yes. And I think authenticity, I want to emphasize is one of the most important things that mm -hmm. it's genuinely something you believe in and um you know truly you like you embrace it 110 percent, and then you find it people connect with you because they see the real you know the humanness in it the mm -hmm. authenticity yeah yeah definitely so why do you believe that you know you decided to focus on premarital coaching what is it that made you gravitate towards that solution specifically why do you believe that people need premarital coaching in the first place why can't they just get married you know just by finding the <laughs> by finding the person that they that they're attracted to or that they want and to shoot be with. in the dark right exactly, or be a bumbling exactly. idiot like i was when i got married <laughs> um well for me 
one thing I know for sure is um, few selections in human life can be as sensitive and as important and essential as selecting a life partner. Mm. Uh, it literally has the fundamental potential to determine our success and prosperity in life or our misery and misfortune. Um, in other words, marriage can make or break you. And the re reality is many have not actually seen a beautiful relationship at home. So how do you build this thing that you don't even know what it looks like, except maybe in fantasy? movies or in fairy tales um, and we all have those fairy tales but we've not seen in practice how you know the how to and sadly many, many parents just copy and paste what their parents did their styles um, the good the bad and the ugly and don't realize that they are repeating negative things things that don't serve the marriage well, don't serve the children well or the relationship well. And, you know, they could, unfortunately, many parents just don't know how to teach it because they didn't have the right tools. They can't give the best advice. Um, and there's so much more to making a marriage work than witnessing a good relationship. I can use myself an example. I learned the hard way, um, but there is hope because of the premarital, which is why I came up with the premarital course. Um, just to give you a little bit about my background, I was privileged enough to see a real life love story in my parents' relationship. And they were married for 50 years until Allah called my mom home. But my brother and I never once saw our parents fight, never saw them argue, never saw a single quarrel. Alhamdulillah, Today, my husband and I have been able to build the beautiful relationship we share for 30 years, but it didn't start that way. That's why I say there's hope because of premarital. When I got married, oh, sorry, before I got married, we were so in love. No, like I'm talking another level of love here. Um, my heart would skip a beat anytime I think about him. I'd get butterflies in my stomach whenever he called. I would replay conversations we had over and over again, sometimes practice the next one in front of the mirror. And my husband was very romantic. He would write these long, beautiful, delicious love letters to me and record songs from the radio that captured exactly how he felt towards me. And having seen a beautiful relationship with my parents, of course, I thought our kind of love was going to even be far, far better than their old school kind of love. Um, so in short, we were passionately in love. Then two weeks after we got married, we had our first fight. I freaked out because my parents never fought. I never saw them fight. I shouldn't say they never fought, but they didn't, never let us see a fight. So guess what this girl did after two weeks of marriage? I asked for a divorce because I was so sure that the marriage was doomed. Um, so what happened to the sweet nothings he was telling me? You know, what was meant to be a period of honeymooning? Um, I went from the heat I felt in my stomach to spewing molten lava from my mouth. Uh, we fought for literally almost six years and we went through a roller coaster of emotion, love, hate, passion, disgust, disappointment, sadness, regret. Um, that's why I say having witnessed a good relationship doesn't guarantee that you're going to have one. And my parents never really shared the behind the scenes that built the beautiful relationship. But after my husband and I had reached rock bottom and divorce was literally on my mind, alhamdulillah, six years of fighting, we actually thought, let's give this another shot. And we started to focus on us, 
instead of me, 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 starting to be less selfish. We started to work on our own shortcomings and then we fought to make the marriage work. Years later, after we started doing premarital counseling, we discovered that many go through similar emotions as we did. Um, maybe not as dramatic, <laughs> but sadly for some it's worse than this. But to be very honest with you, what we have found out most often when counseling couples is that they saw warning signs before they got married and chose to ignore it. That's why I say premarital is key. The marriage begins before you say I do. And unfortunately, many don't know the right questions to ask. Um, many don't know what to talk about during the courtship period. Many go in with unrealistic expectations. They don't do their homework and just literally, like I say, shoot in the dark. Then after they say I do, they now retrace their steps, which sadly by then it's often too late. So I I say premarital is the key. And studies have shown that people who go through premarital counseling, the rate of divorce drops by over 30%. So that to me is like such an important thing, which is why I decided to create the course with the hopes of um, equipping intending couples and married couples, because I've got a couple who have taken my course who've been married 16 years. And I was like, I called the lady to ask, why did you enroll? And she said, we've been miserable for 16 years and we wanted to retrace and see if we missed anything. So my hope is to give them all the tools, all the skills necessary to hopefully navigate the obstacles in marriage and then learn what it takes to make a marriage work and thrive, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story, by the way. That was really, <laughs> really beautiful to hear about your personal experience. And I think the best coaches and the best people that can provide that kind of help are the ones that have been through it and that have, you know, gone through those experiences so they can relate directly to what their clients and, and their students or their mentees or their customers are feeling and be able to, you know, meet them where they are. So you, since then, of course, have decided, uh, Alhamdulillah, now you, you are happily married with your husband. Of course, so you're, you're still you're still together. The relationship is in a better place. Which we is didn't really kill nice. each other. It exactly. wasn't till death did we part. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, I'm really glad that uh, we're still here. You know, we're still rocking. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, you you're now focusing, as you mentioned, on helping other people, kind of you know, hopefully avoid avoid all all this fighting, all these mistakes that you have made by being better prepared right before they embark, right? Which is not Absolutely. something that that you had. So you want to provide that opportunity to others. Now, specifically, when you do that, when you work with your clients and, you know, you built your course, what is really the main focus? What is it? What is the What is it that you're trying to help them achieve or understand or do before they get into marriage with your course Number or your one, coaching? Yeah, I think first it's um, getting married for the right reasons, trying to actually identify, like, because many get married either due to pressure pressure from friends, pressure from loved ones, or pressure from themselves, you know, the biological clock is ticking, you're not getting any younger, all your friends are married or your siblings. So number one, get married for the right reasons. And then I connected with the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and in the Quran, why we should get married, you know, the qualities, the virtues we should look for in a spouse. So number one, get married for the right reasons. And are you ready to get married? Do you are you in the right frame of mind? Do you have the qualities that Mr. or Miss Wright are looking for? Because I say, if you're looking for Mr. or Miss Wright, you better be right, you know? So um, are you self-aware? Do you have the qualities that make a marriage work? Um, are you emotionally intelligent so you can feel your spouse's feelings? Um, have you dealt with excess 
baggage because this is something that can manifest itself in the relationship in such a bad way if you don't realize how your past experiences or scars and unhealed wounds can come and shatter you years later or your spouse or your children so getting someone to recognize you know first of all you be in order reduce the baggage you're carrying and then now build yourself um learn skills of effective communication i was so hopeless at communication i didn't know how to fight and i didn't know how to speak properly um it caused a lot of fights and most marriages will deteriorate because of how you fight not what you fight about so i had to learn effective listening effective speaking, um, you know, timing, when's the right time, he'd walk in at home and I'd just start shooting my greatest weapon of mass destruction, my mouth, to say whatever comes to my mind unfiltered. And over the years, I had to take courses, I became intentional to overcome these weaknesses. Um, so you do need to also know your good and your bad habits and how to make your good habits an asset and a strength and then your bad habits, how you need to work on them and you know on your shortcomings. Then other things I share are learning to read your spouse's love language. These are all things that help a marriage thrive. So my focus is on learn all these things before so you don't go around navigating in the dark. You go in already equipped. You are not getting married because you need someone to complete you. You're getting married because you are okay as you are now and you are fine with the person you want to get married to, inshallah, as they are, not as a work in progress, not as someone who you will add a few ingredients to and create a bespoke spouse. You actually, if they stay this way for the rest of their lives, you're going to be fine with that. Now, these are things many don't think about and many actually make the mistake of believing things can change afterwards. So I try to, you know, say it as it is, um, like I said, give the good, the bad and the ugly truths about marriage and why it's so important to do the premarital so you know what you're going into um, without being a bumbling idiot like I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I love that. I love and you. I love how detailed you've, you've shared, um, you know, in terms of what it is your focus and what you help people through. And one thing I wanted to ask as well that I'm curious about, because um, it, it wasn't explicitly mentioned, but I believe that you focus specifically on helping Muslims, uh, Muslim men and women get into uh, marriage, or do you work with any pretty much people from all faith backgrounds? Well, I've learned that I have people from other faiths who have actually who are enrolled in my course currently. However, um, I do go based on the Sunnah of Rasulullah his examples and the teachings in the Quran. So throughout there are verses and quotes um, that give one hope, but also that guide. I've got the rights and obligations of couples in Islam because many I will be very honest with you, 90% of the people we counsel do not know their rights and obligations. And they don't realize that Allah is gonna hold us account, you know, to account for that. So if we don't fulfill our obligations to our spouse, we're gonna be in trouble, not just with our spouse, it's not just us, it's us and our maker. So those are all the things. So I use the Quran as my compass, as my Qibla, as I created this course. So as to help Muslims in particular, because other faiths have structured systems already established um, that, you know, that they must go through, where you must check off all these things before you go in front of the, you know, the, your, the priest who is going to marry you. Um, whereas in 
them in our faith, unfortunately, in some countries, Alhamdulillah, they've gotten, they've gotten it right. Like I know Malaysia for sure, they've got premarital as a system that you don't get married until you've been through it. But unfortunately, like I'm in Africa, most countries actually that I've researched, they don't have something structured. Um, you must do a blood test, for instance, in other faiths before you get married. So you know your gene, <laughs> genotype and also your HIV status. Whereas for us, we just, just let's do the nikah without this. So Alhamdulillah, some members of Islamic organizations have a structured system in place, but I just felt, let me put this thing out there on the net so it's available to anyone around the world. Mm -hmm. And Alhamdulillah, a lot of intending couples are taking the course and people are giving it as a premarital gift, which for me, I think is like the best investment one can possibly make because most of us, we invest in the bling bling, you know, the elaborate nikahs, uh, mm -hmm. wedding receptions, a gown and all that. But that's the superficial. Isn't that crazy that we spend like fifty thousand, sometimes a hundred thousand dollars on on one night catering to like exactly. people that we don't even know, and you know, putting on such a show and fanfare, yeah. but then we won't take, you know, a bit of our time and finances to actually invest in being better prepared for a lifelong journey of marriage. That's that's crazy Absolutely. when you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's sad. It's yeah. tragic, to be very honest, because so much can be prevented if parents could put the same energy they put into, you know, getting a wedding, uh, the designer and the makeup artist and all that, you know, the music, if they could put that same energy into preparing their kids, even mm -hmm. if they didn't get it right. Right, but give them an opportunity to get the premarital. Mm -hmm. I, well, I think it will change the narrative for so many, inshallah. What do you believe is the biggest reason why some marriages don't work? If you have to pick the biggest reason why some marriages don't work. Um, I think one is they didn't see a good example. What my mm. husband and I have been able to build over the years is for me, having seen how a beautiful relationship can look has helped me realize that you create your own unique love story um, but when you didn't see what it looked like it's so hard to build castles in the air that's why I felt the premarital was important so lack of premarital is another thing because you go in with unrealistic expectations like I did um, getting married for the wrong reasons the influence of social media I think has made a big impact in the lives of so many. We've become narcissists. We've become very selfish and self-centered and it's all about me and what do I look like? And you know, you find husband and wife are fighting for the mirror. <laughs> Um, and then because of social media, we're comparing ourselves to everybody else out there with this, you know, new lease we have on um, voyeurism, you know, what other Jones is doing. And so suddenly our house, our car, our children, and even our spouse is no longer good enough for us. So for me, I know that's a big one. Number one problems we find we are counseling couples on, unfortunately, is infidelity, lack of contentment with what you have, um, this covenant you've gone into in the presence of Allah, um, there is no true fear of offending Allah. You know, this God consciousness, yes, we, we wear the, um, you know, the exterior, the symbols, but what is lacking is the Islam in our heart and the fear of offending Allah. So I know definitely lack of contentment with that person that was meant to be your forever after is also a huge problem. There are so many others, but I would say these are my top. Mm. And, and you mentioned something that I want to touch upon uh, briefly. So you mentioned infidelity, right? I, th I think a lot of people like to 
uh, maybe not talk about it or sweep it under the rug, say that doesn't exist for the Muslim community. Do you feel like within the Muslim community, these things still happen? Oh, it's happening at an alarming rate. Um, mm. I get emails from all over the world, literally, and the tragedy is infidelity and infidelity on both sides. Mm. It's become very commonplace for women to also engage in extramarital affairs. And um, then another tragedy as well is because of the access at our fingertips and the privacy that these devices accord us, you find addictions are also destroying marriages. I'm finding women, a lot of women who aren't satisfied in the intimacy part in their relationship are moving towards pornography and masturbation. Mm. But the men, that's also so common. And they reach out to us to help them because it's like they're already hooked. And Alhamdulillah, I link them up with my husband, if it's a man, to help mm. them through that and give them links to where they could hopefully be able to um, find help, you know. But we talk about the dangers a lot of all of these things, because like I talk to people in my premarital course of the dangers of premarital intimacy. Why? Because the moment you start, it's very hard to stop because you're going to now compare the one who's meant to be your forever after with some previous ones. And if they don't meet up to whatever stunts or bedroom acrobatics that person could do, you are no longer content because you will have this unending thirst for something more, mm -hmm. um, you know? So, and it's the same thing with um, all these things like uh, addiction to pornography, because mm -hmm. the person who's meant to be your forever after can't do those stunts that these professionals who do take one, take two, take 20, and most of the things that didn't work fall on the editing floor. Um, you just think, oh, this is perfect. My wife's got to do this, or my husband's got to be able to do that. And mm -hmm. you won't be content. So, but it is destroying homes today. It is really destroying homes and it's causing big problems. Honestly, it's so sad. May Allah protect us and, and grant us strong faith so we may, we may avoid these pitfalls. And, and you mentioned, Amen. you know, in regards to what you're mentioning, do you, do you feel like with the current state that we are, because, you know, when you think about couples, like, let's say 100 years ago, I mean, the only person they had to compare to was like their neighbors, <laughs> you know, exactly. and maybe their family. And, exactly. uh, and, th and that's it. There was no computer. I mean, I mean, 100 years ago, yeah, there was no computer or, or that they could pull up and, you know, go on all these websites where they could literally look at every, like you could think of any, any, any type or person that you feel like I want to see today and you can, you can get it right with the internet. It's crazy. And so, Absolutely. and so you have everything. Not at even the, 100 years yeah. ago, you think about even 25 years ago, Yeah. literally, correct. because when yeah. I got married 30 years ago, we didn't have home computers. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I was living in the States. Mm -hmm. We didn't. It was like you yeah. needed a heck of a lot of money to be able to buy your own desktop, yeah. you know, and we didn't have the Internet at that time to browse mm -hmm. with. It yeah. was more for the big companies, you know. Mm -hmm. So now it's your children have it. You've got yeah. seven year olds with devices in their hands unfiltered. Do you feel like that contributes to the rise of of uh, of, an, of of marital problems or divorces? So do you feel like that Absolutely. makes it harder? Absolutely, because we're giving the unseen more priority over those that really matter, those that we're going to wish will be on our deathbeds, you know, who will pray for us after we're gone. Um, we are putting so much energy on the thumbs up we get from total strangers mm -hmm. than from our children and our spouses. So, yeah, it is destroying homes today. What's the solution? My husband, 
oh, what's the solution? Well, my husband, I can use myself as an example. Yeah. My husband and I have certain codes, we call it our code of conduct. Mm -hmm. And we have many certain things that we must do in the relationship, mm -hmm. uh, rules that guide us. And Alhamdulillah, we've had to add social media over the years because of the fear that that world can just swallow you. You get lost in this tunnel. Um, and they have designed it in such a way that it's meant to get you hooked and addicted. Um, you find people as they wake up in the morning, sadly, you find we pick our devices to see, did we have a message that we needed to look at instead of, you know, pray first, say salam to your loved ones. Um, so literally it is controlling and that's why we've agreed that when we are together in the same room, our phone is on silent, sorry, it's on vibrate. And if we hear it vibrate, we just flip and take a look and then we leave it if it's not important. If it's the kids, we've got an empty nest, alhamdulillah, our kids have, one has finished university, but they're alhamdulillah, they're out of the country. Um, but it's like, if it's somebody that really matters, we would say, can I answer this call? And it's just, we've made it a habit. Um, while our kids were still home and when they were in high school and they both went to a boarding school, Alhamdulillah, the school has absolutely no device. They don't allow phones. It's You get expelled if you have a phone in school. Um, so when they are home, it gave us a chance to monitor and absolutely there is only so much screen time you have, which helps. And then we put in apps that help us know where they enter. So, but. Ah, alhamdulillah, it's so great that we were able to equip them. And my eldest son, who's 25, I was going, I was asked to do, uh, give a talk about the effects of social media on the youth today and why a lot of our Muslim youth are, you know, losing their Islam and um, being swallowed by atheism and, you know, these kind of ideologies. And when my son was breaking it down to how, you know, the algorithm has been designed to make sure that the moment your curiosity has exposed you to a few seconds lingering on watching a particular thing, then guaranteed you are going to get bombarded with that thing so literally it's like designed to corrupt us so in our home alhamdulillah we are aware and hearing my eldest son actually share with me and he gave me all the tips I needed to give a particular talk with um, because he like me actually there was a period where I went for about six years without praying um, after I got married, I stopped praying because I wasn't feeling Islam. I just was told to pray and I prayed um, fast, fast. Why? Because I'll get rewarded for it. And there was a lot of haram, haram. If you do this, you're going to burn in hell. And I grew up in a very religious home. So there was an expectation by society that I should look a certain way and behave a certain way. And because I was a stubborn teenager, I was like, I will show you I am not my mother. I, I will show you I am not my father or my brother. I am me. And unfortunately, I, I had friends that and I got misguided. But Alhamdulillah, Allah's time is the best. And it's another story. Maybe we'll have a talk another time about my journey back to Islam. But my son, who went to school in Canada, went through the same thing. And alhamdulillah, he's now the one leading prayers where he is in Malaysia and so on. But it took him five years since he stopped praying. And, you know, I remember Brother Ismail Mufti Menk, who's a friend. Um, when I told him what my oldest son is going through, he said, don't judge him. You will lose him. 
He said, don't condemn him. Don't show him you're disappointed. Alhamdulillah, it really helped because I knew what I needed when I had stopped praying, that I didn't want to feel I'm going to burn in hell. And so one day I reached out to my brother and I told him I have not been praying. And I thought he's like, subhanAllah, you're going to burn in hell. And instead he said, Allah knows exactly what I've been going through. And he's Gafur Rahim. And he says, call on me and I will answer. And step by step, alhamdulillah, I started to know how beautiful this religion is and my curiosity led me to learn so much about how to live Islam, not just memorize the Quran, but to try every single day to be the walking Quran mm. in every step. But um, anyway, I divert from the question you asked. <laughs> no, this is beautiful. I'm anyway. loving this, mashallah. Please, please keep going. Keep dropping, okay. uh, keep dropping gems. We call them Jawahid in Arabic. Keep dropping the gems, mashallah, please. Alhamdulillah. So yeah, I, we've just made sure that we are very ruthless because I have a big social media following, like almost half a million on Facebook. And then I've got my social media, um, my Instagram, and then I got my YouTube. I do have to take time out and I just take permission from my husband, give me two hours and he knows. But I try to do as much as I can because I, as I said, I have multiple hats. So when I'm at school, I do schoolwork. Then I sometimes take a break for like an hour to attend to things so that I don't have to do it when I'm home. Mm -hmm. And so I think the key thing is just be intentional and be ruthless when it comes to certain things that can destroy you or your relationship. And Allah first, and then me, myself, and I, my mental health, making sure I'm okay, because if I'm okay, I can give my husband and my children the best. And then our relationship, us, the two of us. And our kids come after that. So they're number four <laughs> in the, you know, yeah. um, in order, because Allah first, and then me, and then us, my husband and I, and then they know that if their dad and I are okay, they'll be okay. So they have accepted and absolutely are cheering for our success. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's beautiful. And I love, I love that order that you've given. I think, you know, some, sometimes we mess the priority and we don't realize that it actually hurts us from living this harmonious life with everything and everyone. And um, when you, for example, prioritize your kids above your own mental health and your own serenity, what happens is that ultimately you burn out, right? And ultimately you Absolutely. end up being a worse parent because you don't you're not pour you're pouring from an empty cup as they say exactly. aren't you exactly yeah. they see you frustrated they see you worn out and unfortunately we are meant to be the role models so if we don't show them how to get it right again like i said our parents just hand over the baton to us and if they hand it over in the wrong way this is how it's going to continue and i'll never forget in the last sermon of rasulullah where you know his hope was that our generation generations way after his time would be living the dean better than those who saw him practice it live and direct. When you think about the state of the Ummah today, ooh, it's almost unrecognizable, you know. Alhamdulillah, there is still light and there are so many good people. Um, you just hope they will shine their nur brighter, you know, and be able to continue um, giving the true islam to the world not what some misguided people are doing you know alhamdulillah i think more people need to get comfortable to show up with their imperfection and i think Absolutely. that's the thing is that there's people you know 
we think as Muslims that the only way that we can do good is by being perfect. And only by being perfect can we then do good and, and, and make an effort and try to make a difference. But it is by showing with your current state of imperfection, whether you're in a state where, as you mentioned, you might be going through a phase where you're not praying right now. You might be going through a phase where you're not fasting. You might be going through a phase where you're disconnected. But don't let that stop you from doing whatever it is you can do right now within your state of imperfection to show up imperfectly and still do what you can, right? And it's one step at a time. It's one step at Absolutely. a time. Absolutely. I actually have hashtag work in progress for myself. Mm -hmm. I have it on my phone when it pops up because it keeps me, you know, in a state of constant humility um, that I have. And people see me, okay, like right now, I would say in the country I live in, you know, when you mention marriage and premarital, my name would be the first that comes up, alhamdulillah. But again, every single day, I... I thank Allah for his blessings, but I also continue to do my homework and continue to learn and grow. There's a story my brother or a metaphor my brother gave me about be like the ocean, he said to me. He's like, Mariam, always be like the ocean. It's the largest mass on earth, but it's the lowest. It is humble and it keeps collecting. It doesn't show off that it's bigger. It takes from the mountaintops, from the sky, from the streams and rivers, and it keeps getting bigger and deeper. However, it stays low and it keeps, you know, expanding. So for me, I've never forgotten that. And I taught that to my kids and I share that with the students in our school, you know, always be like the ocean and never, ever believe you have reached. I'm not, I don't um, get impressed with paper qualifications with titles before and after your name. Um, I truly believe in everything to do with, can you deliver the goods? And are you, like Rasulullah said, you know, the best amongst you are those who are the most useful. Are you the best at being the most useful? And as Muslim, we're meant to have itkan and insan in everything we do. So perfection and excellence, I'll never be perfect, but I'll push for it. And I will always demand that you give your best, you know, try. Um, you don't know your limits. I mean, we never knew one day we, man can send someone to the moon, but we've done it. So your capabilities are unknown until you actually make the effort. So mine is every day make an effort. And like again, Rasulullah said, he whose two days are equal in accomplishment is a sure loser. And I sure don't want to be a loser. So mm. each day I try to make sure no two days are the same because I go into uncharted territories and I learn and grow and evolve, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to allow you and for all of us to grow in the right direction in a way that pleases him. I mean, so, so one question that I ask every single guest that comes on this podcast, uh, and I'm really excited to ask you, actually, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice, you could tell young Maryam one thing as she's about to embark on this journey of entrepreneurship and this journey of life. Uh, and, and, you know, possibly her and her journey. I'm not sure if you were married back then or not, but then your journey of marriage as well. So all of these things, right? All these experiences, you could tell her one thing, you could go back in time, tell her one thing that she could hold on to, some type of mantra, something for her to remember as she goes through this journey. What would you tell her? Hmm, funny, I did get married at 18, believe it oh, or not. Oh, really? SubhanAllah, amazing. <laughs> so you're just about to get married. Yes. So what would you tell um, her? And at that time, because at 18, I hit rock bottom two weeks into my marriage, um, that it's going to be all right. You got this. 
you got this yeah. to be very honest i say yeah. today when Words things get very heavy for me mm-hmm. um you know and constantly reminding myself allah's got my back you know he's not going to give me a burden greater than i can handle you yeah. know like i always say however heavy it is allah knows i can handle it so i constantly remind myself that i've got this um funny enough i never went to university um but i got a darn good education and i was on a mission and i never felt inferior to anyone to Alhamdulillah, I've spoken in front of presidents and world leaders um, on platforms all over the world, and I feel so good. I have PhD PhD holders as my students, and again, I got this, you know, as long as you're curious and you are hungry to evolve and grow, you got it. Alhamdulillah. Yes, I love that. Where's uh, this is why this is my one of my favorite questions to ask every time. Like, it's like, yes, love this. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It was just you know, I think someone needed to hear that today and someone else listening to this, maybe that's what they, they just needed to hear that to be able to keep going with whatever it is they're going through. So there's for that. So where can people go if they want to connect with you, sister? They want to follow your work. They want to maybe as well be part of your course and take advantage of the resources that you provide. Alhamdulillah. Well, my website, mariamlemu.com, that's M-A-R-Y-A-M-L-E-M-U.com. Soon as you get in there, you're going to find there's a link that will take you straight to the premarital course. However, on the website, you can actually learn more about the spiritual journey I went through. And maybe if you're like me, um, you learn a few things that might help. And then I do a lot of personal development stuff there. And then, of course, marriage and family, which I'm very, very passionate about. I'm on Instagram at Mariam Lemu official again one word m-a-r-y-a-m-l-e-m-u official and i'm on facebook at Mariam Lemu youtube Mariam Lemu <laughs> just Mariam awesome. Lemu everywhere Beautiful. alhamdulillah and just to say alhamdulillah my course has been endorsed by Sheikh Omar Suleiman um brother Ismail Mufti Meng and scholars around the world and very very highly respected Islamic organizations so it's something that I feel very good about may Allah bless them all definitely for the trust. <laughs> yes and mail bless you for sharing with us so generously your time and you know showing up on this podcast i know we had a few issues with connection so we're doing this on zoom and i appreciate your flexibility because i even just you know for listeners to know like i i, I had to text sister mariam like 10 20 minutes before the podcast because i was in another meeting that was taking longer than expected i'm like hey can we just delay by a few minutes because I, I was going to be late and i wanted to make sure that you know, I let her know in advance out of respect that she was like, no problem. Yeah, we can delay. And then we got on another app where we recorded a podcast. It didn't work out. We got on this one. So just, you know, just like Allah, mashallah, like you were very kind and flexible uh, in making this happen. And I'm sure that, you know, people who listen to this will have learned a lot and been able to take many lessons. And if you are um, looking to, uh, inshallah, whether you're married, if people that are already married, can they also take the course? Can they benefit? Or is there a resource for them if someone's already married, but maybe going through challenges? Absolutely. Like yeah. I said, there's a couple that have been married 16 years and they're taking the yeah. course, alhamdulillah. So for those who are married, of course, the area where I focus on, um, you know, reasons for getting married, it's too late now, you're already yeah. married. However, yeah. there is so much to do with self-awareness in there, understanding mm-hmm. and identifying your habits, dealing with baggage. These are things people don't actually know is 
it's affecting them now that it's actually unhealed wounds. So I go through that and hopefully help them unpack that excess baggage. And then of course, I give my pearls of wisdom from 30 years of marriage, which I believe are like the best of the best tips that I could give anyone. Um, can I share something with you quickly? Please, yeah, um, go for just it. Before this, just before this podcast, someone sent me an email and said, um, what is the best advice you can give a bride and groom-to-be on how to build a beautiful home? Now, what are the odds that I was just about to do this? And yes, So I sent them an email and I said, I got to share with you what I said to them because this may help. I said, the best I can give, advice I can give is build a beautiful you first. A home is made of people, not things. Your home may have beautiful furniture, the latest of this or that gadget, the best and the best of stuff. However, so do hotels. What makes the home feel like a home is the people, are the people in it, the warmth, the safety, the kindness, compassion, the love and laughter, and all the things that make a house a home. So work on becoming a beautiful person to be around. Work on polishing your nerves, your character. Work on your body, look good and look attractive and smell good. Work on knowing your spouse's love language and find out what their needs, their wants and fantasies are. Then work on your words when you say them, where you say them and how you say them. And then finally, fulfill each other's rights and obligations. And inshallah, your house will become the home your spouse looks forward to coming home to, inshallah. I just had inshallah. to share that with that you. Was I never... <laughs> that was beautiful. May allow us all and grant us all a beautiful home with beautiful people Ameen. and in all Ameen. meanings and all ways, right? Amen. We'll make sure to it's, it's, thank you for being on this podcast and we'll make sure to include those links in the description. So if you guys are listening, check the episode notes for the website link and everything else. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, check the description below. And Jazakallah khair again once more, sister, for joining us on this podcast. And again, being flex so flexible with your time uh, and so kind, even, you know, with all the issues that we had, but we made it happen. <laughs> alhamdulillah. So I'm really glad we, we got did. it. Yes, yes. <laughs> we got this. So, alhamdulillah. so Jazakallah khair for that. It was an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Same here. Wa alaikum. Salam alaikum. Wa alaikum. Salam alaikum.